Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au. That's one way to do it. It's not the only way, but one way. My dad used to say that all the time about healing, <laughs> laying on the hands. It's great to be here and good to see some of you again that I have had the privilege of seeing over the years. This is not my first time to be in Australia. I've been here several times, but uh, I... Uh, Enjoy coming back when I have the opportunity. We have 252 Bible, Bible schools in uh, 50 nations. And we have, we're, we just started trying to get this count in this last year. And so far we've come up with 3,000 and I forget how many churches pastored by Raymond grads from the, in the U.S. and worldwide. And uh, so we're trying to get all those statistics. We, hadn't, we never kept those before. But I tell you what, you, if, you're a part of, if you're a part of Rhema, you went to Rhema School, or if you followed the Kenneth Hagin Ministries, you are a part of Rhema. You're part of the Rhema family, and we're worldwide. And God had prophesied Tony and Patsy have been there in many of the camp meetings. Some of you have been in some of those services where it was prophesied that Raymond would play, play a major role in the last day revival. And I can see how that's happening now as I travel all over the world. It's, it, it's fantastic to be able to see what's going on. Uh, it was just uh, four years ago, I believe it was, I was in Niger- Nigeria and I preached at uh, at Redemption camp, and it was two million people under roof. Uh, it's it's amazing. They they're 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 like this metal, big metal trusses, and they're put together side by side for a half a mile, and they're put together end to end for a mile and a quarter, I believe it is, and uh, there was two million people underneath the roof. I'm on a stage up here that's probably, I don't know how high it was. I know it was way up there. Uh, that was a fantastic meeting. I've never been in a meeting like that. I had a choir behind me, 5,000 people in the choir. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was pretty interesting. And that was on Friday evening. And on, on uh, Sunday morning, I preached at Bishop L.U. Depot's church there in Lagos. And uh, he has four services. Uh, 6 a.m., 8 a.m., 10 a.m., and 12 noon. And you're, I'm sorry, the stage is sort of in the middle, and they're around you, it holds 50,000, and they're full, ever, all four services. It is real interesting to watch them. The, 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 it's open. They got these sliding deals that come open, and the people just, they go out, and they come in, and they start within just, just, couple of three or four minutes. It's, it's really interesting to watch it happen. And uh, he has a complete campus with university, uh, the, the high school, the grade schools, all of the housing for the students, 
the professors, the teachers, <clears throat> all the roads and they're paved and all the buildings and it's all paid for. And he, he showed me a book, a little purple book called The Authority of the Believer by a fellow that I'm named after. And he said, I got a hold of this book as a young man in Bible college or in college. He wasn't in Bible college. And I we went and got called in the ministry and this is all paid for by Nigerian money because I taught the people how to believe God and we, we still do that. It, it's, it, Nigeria is really interesting. Give you a little information. Uh, in 1981 or 82, I forget it was, I sent a team to Nigeria with 113,000 uh, Faith Library books, our books, Dad's, my books, and uh, they, those young men at that time got a hold of those books and, and they, they, they tell me Matt Beamer that's in charge over there, uh, he went to Rama School here in the U.S., and he said, now you're going to find something interesting when you get here. Your name is known in, in uh, Nigeria like Billy Graham's name was known in the U.S. And I didn't believe it till I got there. Once I got there, I realized it was so. So, but no, no, no flowers to me. All, everything, all glory goes to God. But I say that to tell you how, and, and this is happening actually Rama and the Kenneth Hagin Ministries is known more outside of the United States than they are inside of the United States because of the, the books that have gone all over the world. I mean, I'm, I was flying from uh, here in 1978, was it, hon? Yeah, I was flying from Australia to South Africa, and we stopped out there in the middle of the Indian Ocean somewhere for a for a, a stop to re refuel uh, one of those islands out there. And uh, so they let us off the plane. We went in a holding area and I kept walking around and I saw this book over there. I went over there and it was the authority of the believer in a holding area in the middle of the Indian Ocean. <laughs> and you know, I, when the Lord told dad, uh, he said, get on the radio and teach in 1950, September 1950, God in a tent revival, God told dad to, to go teach my people faith and he told him get on the radio and do the printed page. And that's what we still do. And then in the, in what, 74, he told him to start Rama and uh, Bible college and he looked at me and said, all he ever did was he was preaching. He said, we're going to start a Bible school. And then he looked at me and we had to, he didn't believe he said it. So we had to play him the tape back then, you know, his tapes. And uh, so he looked at me and he said, okay, I sent you, I sent you to, to Bible school, to university. And he said, you do it. So we did. But uh, one of our, one of our graduates was, preaching in Africa and he went into the village to minister and in those villages before you can minister you have to get the be be uh, get the authority of the chief of the village in order to be able to do it so he he found out which mud hut was his and he went there and he asked him if he could preach in his village and the man said just a minute 
he went back inside of his mud hut with the thatch roof and he came out with a book and he said if you preach and teach like this man you can well it was the authority of the believer <laughs> in the middle in the middle of the bush in Africa and uh, he he told him he said I not only preach and teach like him I went to his school I sat under his ministry they had a great meeting there and I said all that to say hey you are a part you Rhema people and you that have followed the Kenneth Hagin ministries for years uh, you are a part of a worldwide family that is going to play a major role in this end time revival praise the Lord amen all right I'll just give you a little introduction there since I'm the head of the thing, <laughs> the whole thing, I thought I'd tell you a little bit about it. In Acts 14, 7, and they were preaching the gospel there and in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb. He had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul observed him intently, and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said in a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Now, as we look at this, this one man was in a poor condition. He was born a cripple. He never walked. He never ran and played as a child. He was doomed to his weak, sick life. Day after day, he lived in his limited world with no hope of getting any better. Now, many people would say, well, God just sovereignly reached down and touched him. No, let's take a, let's take a different look at this. The lame man, it says that he heard Paul speak. Paul was preaching the gospel. You know, Romans 10, 17 says, then faith, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. I want you to notice that he said he, he heard Paul speak, and then Paul observed that he had faith. Faith comes from hearing the word of God and listening to the word of God. You know, I... This man heard him speak. Now, as we look at this, it says Paul observing him intently, seeing that, seeing that he had faith to be healed. I want you to notice that even though Paul saw that he had faith to be healed, he was still crippled. He was still crippled. It wasn't until Paul told him to stand on his feet and he immediately jumped to his feet. His faith activated the power of God. When I was about 10 years old, I think, Dad was preaching a meeting in a church and they had altar benches in the church back in when I grew up in those days. Any of you ever grow in a church have an altar bench down the front of the church? I got a couple of people raising their hand. Well, so he had finished preaching about healing, and he said, everybody that has trouble walking, come down here. And so, you know, they had to help some of the people down there, and some of the people got down there on their own. You know, I mean, it took them a while to get there. One man had been in a fire, and uh, his, his muscles and ligaments were all drawn, and he was squatted down like this, and all he could do was do this. And he got down there. They all sat down, 10 of them. All sat down on the altar. So dad went down there 
And he said, run in the name of Jesus. And this person jumped up and took off running. And he went right down the line, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He got to this man. He told him to, to stand up and run. And the, you never seen a man scoot so fast in all your life. He went down that aisle, but when he came back up the other aisle, he was running full blast. And he went all the way down. He got to number 10, a lady. Found out later, she just said she had rheumatoid arthritis. She got down there by herself, and he pointed to her, and he said, run in the name of Jesus. And I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but this is, he, I mean, it was so vivid, I still remember. This is exactly what she did. She looked at him, and she said, my God, preacher, I can't even walk, much less run. Real loud. And dad said, well, you saw these other people. And they all ran. They couldn't run either. And then she said, they might have run, but I can't and I won't. Well, she left just like she was. She didn't receive anything. You see, it's when the healing power of God is always present. Everywhere. But there is something... <laughs> Something activates that power. You see, if you go and you look at Mark 5, you'll find a lady that had an issue of blood. And she said, it says when she heard of Jesus, she said, if I can touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Now, the Bible does not tell us where she was. It does not tell us how she heard of Jesus. All it says when she heard of Jesus. Well, in order for her to say, if I can touch his clothes, I'm, I will be made whole, she had to hear what Peter was preaching in Acts 10, 38, down at Cornelius' house, when he said, how God anointed Jesus Nazareth with Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So she had to hear that Jesus was healing, or she would have never made that statement. It says when she came to Jesus. I don't know where he was. I don't know where she was. I don't know how she got there. I assume she walked. But I do know that when she got there, because of what the story says a little bit, a little bit later, that there was a crowd of people around him. And now, here she is, in a weakened, sick condition. Anybody that knows anything about any, any, any blood disease, I mean, in, in the States, if you've even taken a, a, a junior high a science class, you find out that you, the life is in the blood. And anybody has a blood condition, if you know anybody that way, they get weak very, very easily. They're, they're, they don't have much strength. And there she is, faced with a crowd. This Jesus is in there somewhere. And now she has another problem. Does she defy her religion? Because she was living under the law. And the law said, you go read it in Leviticus, it says that anybody that had a blood condition was not supposed to be out with the general population. And if they got close to anybody, they were to yell unclean. So now there's a crowd. Now... There's a problem 
with her religion. So she said, if I can touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Look at this little lady, sickly, but she needed healing. I can almost see her as she begins to work her way through a crowd. You ever had to work your way through a crowd to get up to the front somewhere? It's not easy sometimes. You know, you have to, you have to just bull your way in sometimes, you know. <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about? Well, I got 15 honest people in this crowd. <laughs> no, I know you do. You know, I, uh, we, when I was traveling on the road with Dad for those, for what, four years, I guess, as his crusade director, we lived in, we lived in a motorhome, me and Lynette and Craig, and then Denise was born right at the end there. And uh, so we would go to amusement parks, and then as they got older, and then they were, what, I don't know, eight, nine, eight, he was nine, I think she was about five or six, and he was probably 10, and she was maybe six. And we would go to amusement park, but we would only have just a one or two days in, time in order to get to the, uh, go through the park. And I said, we're going to see it all in one day. So, and so I'd say, okay, Craig, grab my belt. You, niece, you grab a hold of your brother. And Lynette, you bring it up, bring up the back side. And we're going through the crowd. I played American football. I was a wide receiver, running back. I know... <laughs> I know how to lead interference and knock some people out of the way if necessary. <laughs> and we would go through the crowd. In fact, we, we, went, we, were, uh, we were in Florida and some friends went with us. And after about, uh, oh, an hour, they said, we can't stay up with you. We'll meet you at the front gate at closing time. <laughs> I said, okay, I'm going to see it. Of course, I was a lot younger then too, you know. But... Uh, <laughs> I could just imagine that this is the same way this lady. We wanted to ride all the rides, so we were moving in and out and pushing and, and getting into the crowd. I'm sure that's what she was doing. But finally she sees Jesus. And I want you to notice that it says that she touched the hem of his garment in one of the Gospels. And I think maybe... Maybe she was so weak that she reached out to touch him and she fell, but then she finally got the hem of his garment and Jesus stopped and he said, who touched me? And his disciples said to him, what are you talking about? Look at this crowd. What do you mean who touched you? He said, but power went out of me. Evidently he had been touched by others, but no power went out. Now the lady came and told him the story that I just told you and he looked at her and he said, lady, your faith has made you whole. He didn't say anything about his power. He said, your faith has made you whole. Now you go to Luke 5 and it says that Jesus was in the house and the house was full and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. It says some men brought a guy on a stretcher and they couldn't get in so they went up on the roof and tore the roof off. Now a course that I took in school uh, university is, uh, was the life and times of Jesus and they talked about the kind of roofs that they had and this was probably one they had either a, a thatch roof with mud or they had a tile roof 
and this was probably a tile roof and they lifted the tiles out and let him down if you remember uh, and if you study they they used to use the rooftop sometimes for sleeping sometimes for just being up there in fact if you'll go when Peter was praying he was on the rooftop praying when he had the vision to go down to preach to Cornelius' house. And so they let him down, and it says that when Jesus saw their faith, he told a man to get up and walk. When he saw, now the Bible says that the power of the Lord was present to heal them, but none of them got healed, only him did. And it says, when he saw their faith, he had the man on the stretcher, and the four, and the, I always say four guys. I don't know why I always say four. It just says men. I just always, in my mind, saw it was a stretcher. Maybe the four guys was carrying it. That's all I, that's the way I, I don't know. But in, anyway, the guy, he said, when he saw their faith, when he saw their faith, then if you go, if you go to Mark 10, you will find out that there was a man called Blind Bartimaeus. He was sitting beside the road, and he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. He cried out, Jesus of Nazareth, have, have mercy on me. And uh, they told him to be quiet. And so many people wonder why they told him to be quiet. Well, it, the reason they did is because any time that a teacher would walk going to wherever they were, they were going, evidently they were going to Jerusalem, and as they come into a town, people would walk with them, and the teacher would be teaching, the rabbi would be teaching as they walked, and the people would go through and listen, and some of them would get hook on and go all the way then to, in, on the pilgrimage, but uh, the others would stop and then go back into their, to their homes. So they probably told him to be quiet so they could hear what the master was saying. But he screamed more loudly. Now, if you'll study that, you'll find out that the first scream that he screamed out was just a normal holler, a normal shout out, like if I'd shout, shout out to somebody back in the back of the building back there. The second time was a scream of somebody that's drowning and needy. They're going under for the third time. They need help. And Jesus stopped. And he said, bring him to me. Now, the same people that are telling him, shut up be quiet they say hey he wants you come on <laughs> and it says that when he stood up to go to Jesus that he left his coat now most people don't know the significance of that the significance of that is that they wore cloaks or outer coats we would call it that said their station in life. That coat said, I'm a blind beggar, I am worthless, I'm a worthless piece of humanity. But when, G when he went to Jesus, he left that there. And when he, he got to Jesus, Jesus asked him what he wanted, he said, I want to see, and he said to him, your faith has made you whole. Well, what was his faith? His faith was he left that coat. He said, I'm not going to need it anymore. He told a woman with the issue of blood, your faith has made you whole. He told the man on the stretcher when he saw their faith. Now, I want you to notice 
that it said in the two of those, it said the power, that in the one with Israel, the power went out of him. The second time in, in Luke 5, it says the power of the Lord was present to heal them. None of them got healed. So there had, and then all three of them, he said their faith made them whole. This scripture that we read here with Paul, he said the man had faith and he, and to be healed. But he wasn't healed till something, till he did something. He activated it. You see, I want you to notice that I'm going to go back here to this keyboard for just a minute. I think it's one like I got. Yep, I can operate this. You know, there's a little screen here. There's lights on here. Here's some green lights and red lights and a blue light. And, and there, there, there's cords hooked up here. Here's a power cord. And, you know, well, what is the matter? All of these lights and this little screen, everything is still, the power, it says the power is on, but nothing's happening. Oh, there's a switch here. When I hit that switch, even though the power is there, it's not activated till I hit that switch. The healing power of God is always available to anybody, anywhere, anytime. But it's never activated until somebody uses faith. Tonight, the healing power of God's in this building right now. It's always present. How many of you are right now, you are ready to activate that power with your faith for healing? Stand up right now. You are ready right now to activate that power. My goodness. Half of the crowd or more. Praise the Lord. All right. You see, this microphone I got on here, hit this switch. Once I hit that switch, that power is activated. That's what faith is. It's the activator. It activates the power of God into your life. You know, in, in chemistry class, in school, you mix a bunch of chemicals together, and nothing happening until you put another chemical in there that's called an activator. Anybody ever done that in chemistry class in school? I got a couple of people that are raising their hand. Yeah, it's called an activator. That, then that one, everything is there until the activator is, is put in. Nothing happens. All right. You are ready right now to activate the power of God. I want all this group over here to go over there and get in that aisle over there. I want this group right here. I want you to get in that aisle over there. I want the center aisle to come up here and line up in line. All of you on the sides, y'all go to the y'all go the other place. Let the let the center ones come up here. I said. All right. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Just get in a single file line over there. Don't bunch up. Get in a single file line. I'm going to get to all of you. 
Some people think if they're in line first, they get more power. No, the power of God is the same at the end as it is in the beginning. It never changes. All right. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Did we get all of them people in line over there? All right, we can use a few people right here. Get them in line. All right. That's good. Probably use three or four more on the end of that line over there. There we go. Good. Now, everybody that's in that line over there, that line over there, and this line down here, listen to what I have to say. Once I start praying, I don't want to have to stop and let a line form. So when an usher tells you to get in line, I don't want you to walk like this. I want you to get up and get with it and get in line. If I can move that fast at seven, almost 79, you can move that fast because you're younger than I am. Some of you. <laughs> All right. Now, once you get here, I want you to forget about everybody and everything except Jesus and the power of God and what you need. Oh, those lights all of a sudden got bright. Can't see nothing. Turn them things down. Now, when you get here, you can close your eyes and worship God if you want to. There's no use to pray and ask God to heal you. Actually, it may be better if you don't say nothing. Except when I lay hands on you, just say, I take it. Whatever happens, happens. Don't worry about it. Okay? I started preaching when I was 18 years old. In 1958. And I laid hands on the sick, just like the Bible says. All believers can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. 1977, I think Patsy was a part of that group in 1977 down there in Fort Worth, Texas, right? We were in a prayer room praying together. She was part of my singing group. Move over just a little bit so I can see Patsy. You remember that night we were in that prayer room and the Lord spoke to me and at the same time, one of the guys began to say, speak out and said verbatim the same words except for one word that the Spirit of God had just said to me. So he told me that night he, I was going, he's going to start using me in, with gifts of healing. That's one of the gifts in the 1 Corinthians 12. I went out and I preached a sermon that night called Commanding Power. We had a tremendous healing service. In fact, that little boy, they put that message in a little book and I hadn't preached it since until last year I, I said I'm going to preach that message again <laughs> and that's the first time I've preached it since 77 but anyway it, it's, it's in a book if you want it and so I started from that time on till now laying hands on the sick with that special anointing I prepare myself differently and I get ready to look for that it, it happens as I prepare myself you know I, it's just not there all the time now Get ready to receive. Then later on, the Lord told Lynette and I to pray together. Back in the 90s, I was getting ready for the healing camp meeting healing service. 
at camp meeting, and I began to feel a warmth in the palm of my hand. I asked the Lord what it was, and he said, Don, that's that healing power. I'm just letting you feel it. When I lay hands on you, if you activate it with faith, it goes in. If you don't activate it with faith, it doesn't go. It stays. I don't have time to teach you a lesson. I've already told you a lesson. On You activate that power by faith. It's just like the, these electric lights. There's a switch somewhere around here, and if somebody hits the switch, we'll be in the dark. Nothing wrong with the power. It's still there. Somebody has to activate that power to get to those filaments inside of that bulb so that they can illuminate. So that's what, that's what faith does. It is the activator that activates the power of God to your body. How many of you are ready to receive right now? For the rest of you that's in the congregation, y'all stand up. This group's going to be singing. I want you to sing with them. Or I want you to be reaching your hands out toward these people praying with us as we minister. When you get ready to sit down, sit down. Because I'm going to forget about you. I'm going to forget about everybody in, in, on each side. I'm, all I'm going to be concerned about is the people in front of me as I lay hands on them to receive their healing. Praise the Lord. Father, we go now in your anointing in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Raise your hands and thank God for the healing power of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. All right. If you can check yourself, right now you can check. And you know, you, can, you, you know for sure you're healed. I want you to stand up. If you can check yourself. Hallelujah. Go ahead. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank God. You may be seated. How many of you can check your condition and you're, you're much better? You stand up. If you can check and say you're much better. You know, check yourself. Hallelujah. Now. The Bible says some began to amend from that hour. Some were healed as they went and some were healed instantly. So whichever way, <laughs> I know they were glad they got it. Amen. I was preaching in Anaheim, California with Dad during, during a crusade. He, I was doing the one afternoon sessions. He was doing the the day, morning, teaching morning, and then he had the session at night. We we had an auditorium, about 4,000 people, and I had a, he had it full at night, and I had a, in the afternoon, I'd have about two, maybe two and a half thousand. And uh, we were doing the healing meeting. I just started preaching. They rolled a lady in on a stretcher, and she was hooked up to all the machines and everything. And, and I found out later that they had asked the doctor if they could bring her to this healing meeting. He said, I don't care where you take her. She's not going to live past midnight anyway. And uh, so we prayed for her. They rolled her out just like she came in. But six weeks later, she walked out of the hospital completely cancer-free. <laughs> Hallelujah. The story goes that she just got, every day, she got better and better and better 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 until she walked out of there keep the switch of faith turned on 
Just keep saying, the healing power of God's working in my body to affect the healing and the cure. The healing power of God's working in my body to affect the healing and the cure. Keep saying it until you see it. I got another message I preach called say it till you see it. <laughs> That's what the Mark 11, 23 says. Just say it. Amen. Bow your heads for just a moment. I never like to have a service that I preach that I don't give an opportunity for somebody to find Jesus or somebody to rededicate their life to God. There's a lot of people that many times when they're younger, they, they know Christ, but as they go through life, they drift away, and they're not where they need to be with God. That may be you. You need to rededicate your life. You don't have to come be resaved all over. You just come and rededicate your life to God. Anybody need Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You need to rededicate your life to God. I want to pray with you, and I want to pray for you. Let me see your hand right now, anywhere in this room. There's a hand over there. Is there any other hands that will be raised with this one hand? Another hand over here, another one here, another one. Thank you, thank you, another one. Thank you, thank you. You can put them down. Thank you. I see those hands. Thank you. I have another invitation. Around here, we believe in being filled with the Holy Spirit. We're not talking about church creed or doctrine. Care less about church creeds and church doctrine. But I care a whole lot about what the Bible says. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit as the Spirit gave them utterance. And you'd say, I'd like to receive that biblical experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit tonight. Could I see your hand? Anybody want to be? I see some hands. Yes, thank you. If you raised your hand, should have raised your hand, wanted to raise your hand, I want you to stand up and come down here and stand right down here. I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. So come on right now. If you raise your hand, should have raised your hand, wanted to raise your hand, come on. Just stand in a group. You don't have to stand in a line. Just stand in a group. You can stand one behind the other. I want you all here in front of me. Just stand all here. Some of go stand back there. Stand in a big group. Just stand in a group right here. If you raise your hand, should it not, not come on over in here. You don't, you don't have to line up like they did for healing because we're not going to do it that way. All right, praise the Lord. Glory to God. If you raise your hand, should have raised your hand, wanted to raise your hand, get down here now. Get down here now. Don't let the devil cheat you out of a spiritual blessing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All you people, look at me. You see this little notebook right here? Little three-room notebook. See, I got some notes in there that I preach from, most of the time from, not from, you know, from the no, not from the notes, away from them. But uh, that's real crocodile. You want to feel that? That was given to me by the Rama graduating class about 10 years ago in Bangkok, Thailand. And uh, it means a lot to me. I'm not going to give it to you. But if I said I was going to give this to you, and I put it out here like that. What do you got to do to get it? Somebody show me. You got to reach out and grab it. That's right. You see, I can give you a book or something like that, but I can't give you the spiritual blessing that you come to receive. It comes from heaven on high. Just as you reach your hand out toward that notebook, I want you to raise one hand. I don't care which one it is, just one of them. Toward heaven with that hand, you're saying, all right, Lord, I'm reaching up to get what I came down here for. Congregation, reach your hands out toward them and pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each and every one of these that have come tonight. I thank you for salvation, for rededication. Thank you for the blessed infilling of the Holy Spirit. 
I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rama.org.au.